is, let's say, happening called suffering. Sufferer and suffering. We have, the split mind has cut that in half and is trying to deal with the suffering, but very little with the sufferer. With the hopes that we believe that if we could manage our life better and things could get better outside, we'd be fine. That's the delusion most of us live under. If we could only get our, our little eggs in a basket or you know, ducks in a row, then everything would go great for me. So most people's drive is they want to get it, they want it to get better, but just as they are. They want to be just as they are, but they want it to be better. They don't see the just as they are and why it's not better are linked. So the suffering and the sufferer are the same event. Suffer and suffering is an event here. And we're going to question the idea of being a sufferer. (coughs) My experience with it is that just like if you look at problems, let's say you have 10 problems this week. Maybe next week you'll have 20, who knows. But you have 10, 10 problems. Maybe last week you had 2 problems. Maybe the following week you'll have 30 problems. But there'll be only the one who has all the problems. You know? Every week there'll be the one that has how many problems. So the one may feel it's doing well when it only has 5 problems. And then the one may feel it's doing terrible when there's 20 problems. But the one is the whole center of all the problems, yeah? The problems come and go. And also, problems are perceptual, obviously. So if I look at something like this, it's a problem to me today. And then tomorrow, it's not a problem for me. Then the next day, it's a problem for me. Obviously, what is it? Is it a problem, not a problem, or a problem? It doesn't have any inherent existence. It's what it is by my meaning I give it. Yeah? So I give a situation a meaning, it's a problem, based on the condition I'm in that day. If my condition shifts, that problem won't be a problem. Then if the condition shifts again, the problem will be a problem. So you and I give everything the meaning it has. That's what happens. As an apparatus, not personal. There isn't a Paul giving the meaning. Paul is a deliverer of meaning, chock full of meaning itself. Yeah? The idea of being Paul has tons of files behind that idea. <laughs> a lot of them unconscious files, but they're going to come in to, to this life with whatever Paul comes in contact with as Paul. So when there's a contact and it's interpreted as Paul's being in contact, those files become important in a sense because they download and they give meaning to whatever Paul's in contact with based on Paul's quote-unquote past. Yeah. There's something lacking in all that. It's called living. There's no living in it. There's interpretation in it. There's oldness in it. There's stagnancy in it. But there's no living. There's no sense of verbing in there. So, we're just entertaining the idea that most of us here are suffering from a system, and there's no one suffering here. That's part of the system. But there's suffering stemming from a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness that we're saddled with. It's almost as if 
we're seemingly here in this environment and we're, in a, we're wearing a helmet that has its own atmosphere, its own like H2O uh, equation. And, we're, and it also has a radio hookup and there's a narration going on. So something's telling us what's happening all day. And we're breathing in this atmosphere mostly of anxiety and stuff. And we're, we're navigating the unknown, as Carlos Castaneda would say, but how we navigate the unknown is by making it the known all day from the past. Yeah? That's how we get a sense of security here, is that we make what's arising constantly new as something old. Because as soon as there's contact, and Paul claims the contact, Paul refers that contact to a past contact and says, oh, this reminds me of that. That is bye-bye. It's over. Yeah. It may not even happen as the that that you're holding it as. But it has a, a, a function which is it numbs you out to conscious contact and then you, stay, you live unconsciously and you receive an interpretation about what you're missing. Basically. So you're missing life and so mind gives you an interpretation about what you're missing and you get a sense that you're not missing anything because, hey, I had an experience. Hey, I felt this, I felt that. Hey, no, I've been alive. Look at all the problems I have. But in fact, the experience of living is missed out. So your mind gets a great sense of security by knowing but in that knowing, you've nuded life. Because life is nothing to be known. Life is a verb. Yeah? It's sort of like thinking that you can put a flag in a river and then calling that the river. The river is, represents a verb that, no matter how much you study a river, all you need to do is take one second at looking at one and you'll know more than all the studying. Or actually, even better, step in it, and you'll get the whole sense of what river is. Yeah, there's a current and this and that. But instead, the mind doesn't want to do that. It wants to just know what a river is. So it wants to know what love is. It wants to know what truth is. It wants to know what peace is. And in that knowing it, it nudes the verb of truth, love, and peace. So you get an idea, a concept of what peace is, but it ain't the real enchilada. And it doesn't hold water here. Because the peace here is conditional. The peace that your mind gives you is a conditional peace based on circumstances and situations. So that peace can come and go. In recovery it says, you will know, what, you will know peace and comprehend the word serenity. Well, you may have thought you knew what peace was already. And you probably think you comprehend serenity. But... That's not the case. You will now know peace, because you'll sense it as a verb, finally, and you will comprehend the word serenity, because it's a livingness. It's not a, a thing that you once had that you now put on your mantelpiece. Oh, uh, yes. 2004, I went on a retreat. I captured serenity on the fourth day. After six hours of meditation, serenity appeared. I grabbed it out of stillness, and here it is. I have serenity. And now I've been going to retreats ever since, trying to get another batch of serenity and never getting it anymore. Because serenity isn't something you can attain or achieve. You can't capture it. It's not like a wild thing. It's a verb. Yeah. It's a verb of mind. 
not conditioned mind, because in the conditioned mind it's a noun. It's something that you have to do and get to have. Yeah, that's a noun. And the unconditioned mind is a verb. The unconditioned mind and the conditioned mind are the same mind. The conditioned mind is conditioned in the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's what causes it to act conditionally. When that identification is broken, that same conditioned mind is unconditioned mind. That same mind can entertain the word serenity and no peace. Where before, it couldn't entertain serenity and no peace. It's the same mind, exact same mind. It's just... Has that mind been captured by an idea or a thought called being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity? Once it seemingly has been captured by that, it becomes conditional. Yeah, everything becomes outside of itself to, to be done. You know, I'm going to do something and have something to get that. That doesn't work with peace and serenity, and it doesn't work with a verb. It's very difficult to catch a verb. Once you catch a verb, and 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 put the fence around, I know this, it stops being a verb. Yeah? As soon as you capture verbing and put a fence, and the fence is called I know peace, that now is not the verb of peace. Because it's like a free-range verb. It can't be captured or contained or you know, put in a certain bit of acreage called Paul. Yeah? I don't care how much you look like you have peace, it doesn't fucking translate to peace. It doesn't translate to peace, even if you have a lot of people thinking you have peace. That still doesn't translate into it, because you can't translate it into a noun. It has to be a verb. You have to sort of, I don't know, you don't have to do anything really. It's more of recognizing that what you think you've done has never happened, really, in a sense. You have never drag yourself out like an evolutionary thing. You've never dragged yourself out of the ocean of verbing and became a noun called Paul, this long-lasting independent separate This is like false mental evolution. It's never fucking happened. There's never been nothing, there's never been a thing that dragged itself out of the ocean of emptiness and verbness and became a noun called Paul that now wants to swim in that ocean and get an experience of emptiness and verbness, but as a noun. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It never happens. But the mind is into that idea that it's a noun, and immediately, it's as soon as you and I become the noun, or the subject, everything else, because there's rules here in this, in this dream called duality, everything else is thrown into being the object to you. You know, it's not like there's anyone that did it. It's like, if I think I'm the subject as this, which is truly an object here, then everything else is cast into relationship with me as an object, called the truth, called enlightenment, called peace, called serenity. So now serenity, peace, enlightenment, and truth become an object to me, and there's an option that I can entertain it or not. Yeah? See, I can entertain, I can go and, and serenity for a while, but I'm the noun that's doing it. That's not it, obviously. There is no noun to be found here, literally. There is no noun to be found. There is nothing that's ever dragged itself out of the, the, the nothingness of ocean of whatever and became a noun on this, this, this pseudo-land of knowing, yes? And now I'm out there looking for the truth. Give me a break. That's the truth looking. That's the verb, which is seeing, 
wearing a pair of glasses called Paul, which is looking. And now looking, to me, looking is the way everyone's blind here. They're so busy looking for something, and they're looking as something, and they're looking conditionally in a certain way, they're blind to the natural seeing that's happening every moment. Yeah. Anger doesn't stop it. Getting mad doesn't stop it. Nothing changes what's seen. Nothing. Whatever pair of glasses appear to be looking at that moment do not define the scene as a looker. Whatever pair of glasses are being worn in that moment, seemingly, whatever way of looking is demonstrating itself, it does not define the, see- the seer as a looker. Only if you believe it to. Yeah? Once you believe it to, then you're now looking... And you're going to be looking for, like St. Francis says, what's looking. But actually, I would, I would change it a little bit. It's what's seeing. That's why you can't find it, by looking. Looking can't recognize seeing, because it's a disguised seeing already. Yeah? The, the verb of seeing is there, but it's been sort of changed into looking, because the verb has been separated into a noun, a subtle little noun. Paul, being the looker, is now looking. But it's just riding or piggybacking on the fact that they're seeing. Yeah? It's a nice way of those conditioned minds splitting up seeing into me, this, the looker, and the act of looking. No, that's seeing. Yeah? So seeing is natural. You don't have to concentrate to see, you know. It's like, right, I'm going to look so hard and so focused, then I'll finally see. No, it's really a relaxed thing. It's when you surrender or give up the, that sense of that movement of doing and having, then there's a natural seeing, and it may just click in. Yeah? And that one click is more than 800 pages of scriptures, or 20 fucking retreats, whatever. That one click will, will change, because it's timeless. It can erase a lot of what you have produced seemingly in time. Yes? Be it a spiritual identity or whatever identity you seem to have been working at, like a little beehive, you know? making up this identity, it will can erase a lot of that in the seconds. Just one example of seeing. And the, 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 all the evidence of seeing is available at all times. It's in every moment of looking. Seeing is just, looking is just an interpretation of seeing. That's all it is. And so if you can hold that and go on, and I love the word pause, because pause, you know, in some books, they should just have a, they should say pause, and then have like 30 pages of blank paper for a while. Just pause, sit in that. Like right now, you can sense it in the room. That's a nice pause. So. A lot of downloading happens in pausing. Big time downloading. Big time, big time downloading. But it's more of an erasing type of quality. <laughs> it erases a lot of files. <laughs> You're not downloading any new files. Just the download erases files. Yeah. And then obviously the effect as its apparatus is you'll travel lighter. Because right now, most of us have been turned into storage units. If you don't know. You're living 
you're refeeling and rethinking and redoing and rehabbing the same formulations that self-centeredness offers. Every one of us has gone through every possibility self-centeredness has to offer. They're very limited possibilities. We've gone over them over and over again. We just, they're refurbished, you know, new and improved, or they may be located in India or something, but it's the same, 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 same possibility. Fairy princesses are one form of it, you know. Arrival dates, when I do this and have that, I, that should translate to me being very happy. That's total possibility of time of self-centeredness, you know. And it's failed us miserably, most of us, you know. All these things. We've ridden every horse in the stable of self-centeredness. We tried English saddles, bareback, you know, you know, whatever. But it's the same fucking horse. You know? And you've been over every inch of it, of self-centeredness. It's a very small system. You've been through every inch of it. There's nothing. You're not going to find what you're looking for. Now. It's just not there. If you were, you would have found it already, obviously. It's been on the hunt for how many years? Yeah. Where's that mythical happiness, joy, is it's a freedom that's always promising you at a later date. It never delivers the goods now, does it? It's always, you've got to jump through a few more hoops or have a little more months of practice and then you'll get there. When you, you know, sit next to the teacher, then you'll, you know, it's always on and on, constantly based on situations and circumstances. And then if those are fulfilled, you will, you'll whammo. You'll wake up. All the while, seeing is happening. Every moment. Every moment of the the seeming incarceration, you're free. <laughs> so, what's one to do about this? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> what, what arises, see the truth. If it wasn't there a second ago and it's there now, it ain't. It's not. That's not it. <laughs> Whatever arises and departs is not it, yes? But what, every moment, if, let's say you go back into the past, if there was one, and think of a situation you were in like 10 years ago. And then you go to the situation you were in yesterday and today. There was one basis that was always in every situation you've ever been in, which is there's been consciousness. Yeah? There's been conscious contact. You were, there was hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling, uh, whatever. Seeing is another one, yeah, whatever. So those five doors in Buddhism, they believe the mind's another door. So you're seeing thoughts like a bird is seen by the eye. Your mind's seeing thoughts. You've never been the thinker of ever any thought ever. There's not been one thought that's ever been thunk here. Really, that's just an interpretation of how, what's happening. And that's what mind does, yeah? If you see it, the initial interpretation of mind is... Seeing, like Buddha said, when you see, see, when you hear, hear, when you feel, feel, when you taste, taste, when you touch, touch, you know, that's conscious contact. I mean, what in order? <laughs> Where is there any doing and having in that? The seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling is already occurring. All you got to do is let it occur, just as it is, yeah? Call the acceptance in a sense. So, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling. But how do you travel with that now? Isn't it a sense that you are seeing, and you're hearing, and you're feeling, and you're tasting, and you're touching? Isn't there a vague sense in there that when seeing occurs, there's a sense that it's you seeing? Yeah. And when hearing occurs, there's a sense that there's you hearing, 
that's, that's, that's the vague sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's not a thought, in a sense. You have a feeling around it. Yeah? So every conscious bit of conscious context being claimed by this interpretive mind called self-centeredness, and it says, I'm the one that's in conscious contact. I meaning this. So life, the demonstration of beingness, has been hijacked to, to make you a being, really. So the beingness is hijacked by conditioned mind to make you appear to be a, a being, not being, yeah. a being, a being, a noun, a separate individual entity. There could have, none of this could have ever arose and arise without the sense of conscious contact. There's no way a story could have been written. There has to have a basis to every story, and that's the aliveness. And that aliveness has been hijacked by conditioned mind to make up a story about what's happening here. But the happening here cannot be written. The happening here cannot be made. It's already so. It's just the acknowledgement of it. But what occurs is most people, when they get introduced to conscious contact, they try to acknowledge it as the self that they're not. See, that's how it defeats you. Life will defeat you. In, in, in the seeking of it, because you'll be seeking it as a self, this idea of being a noun. And that's its, it's perfect fail-safe mechanism. It has this incredible thing to override and to make seem unimportant, which is what's happening. And it has an incredible strategy to do that, because even if the evidence of what's happening is so overriding, your mind will interpret it as it's happening to me. Yeah. And that's where the lie is. There's just what's happening. But the head will always interpret it as it's happening to me, either directly or indirectly. Your head will try to be relevant in it. It will try to say, oh, now I'm entertaining non-self, and I was, I was the reservoir, I was the dam of all truth and peace when I was a self. No, you weren't. You have absolutely no relevance whatsoever. That's its true fear. It's totally, totally scared shitless of that. So it, can, it will get into misery right now, the head, the conditioned mind, and you'll be bitching about how miserable it is and you would do anything to give it up. But the head strategy, to that, that misery to the head is relief to the unbearability of the truth that it does not want to mirror or reflect. It wants to reflect self. It does not want to reflect the truth. And that is, the truth is the conscious contact and what's reflected there. There is no self that's reflected in conscious contact. There's an interpretation of the conscious contact, and the self is written into the story, that I'm what's consciously in contact. And that's the lie. And it does not want to go to that point. So if it's misery that, that distracts you from that, misery, bring it on. <laughs> Let's have a whole life of misery. Because you'll be thinking, this sucks, I'd do anything to give this up, as the talking action. <laughs> but the, act, the, the consciousness, the conditional split, is totally thriving in that because the real fear it's worried about has been delayed, yes, which is its inevitable non-existence. Yeah? In fact, there is no relevance to it whatsoever. <laughs> so, we're not attempting to go that conscious contact route because too easily the mind will think that I'm the one who's now awake to be... You know, it's like the idea of being in the moment, yeah? There's a lot of books about how to be in the moment. I bet you no one's finished any one of them. You know, you just read a few chapters and you move on to the next book. 
how to be in the moment better, <laughs> quicker. But the fact is, <laughs> if you really look at it, you cannot possibly be out of a moment. Why would you want to try to get into a moment if you can't be out of it? And that's the dilemma here. The true relief is you recognize the quote-unquote problem is imaginary. That's the solution. The solution isn't applying a solution to the problem because that would be a bigger problem. The real solution is you realize the problem is imaginary. There is no long-lasting independent separate entity. So therefore, I don't need to seek any solution for that. That's the solution, in a sense. Yeah. The solution is total disarmament. Yeah? No fighting or wrestling with this or that. It's just a recognition that it's not so. Yeah. So every time it attempts to appear to be so, maybe you'll need a little trick here or there, but after a while, it's an unspoken, it's not so. There's just a revelation that now, what's ever appearing is, is, is just what's being mirrored in consciousness. It doesn't imply that there's someone there. Yeah, it's so nice. So you travel lighter as a quote-unquote someone. And in a weird way, you actually appear to be more individual than you ever were when you're not an individual. So you get all the things your mind was looking for to be special, you get them without being special. <laughs> so there's nothing that's lost or withheld from you. Actually, more and more happens. You become weirder, let's <laughs> You become weirder than you ever were because you're not, an, you're not an identity anymore. You know, I remember I used to live in a, a place called Byron Bay in Australia, very new age, the yoga capital of Australia people from all around the world. A lot of spiritual seeking. Huge place. And there's a lot of goddesses there. There's a name we used to give to certain women. They have the raving, fiery hair, you know, very unkempt, and a lot of, usually shawls, a lot of shawls and goat and flowing things, and like untamed lionesses. And they're really cool looking. And they look very, very individual. But when you go to like a dance or something, there'd be like 40 of them in the same room. You'd see, jeez, this is like a little, you know, army of... Goddesses, in a sense. Everyone looks exactly the same. <laughs> so the striving to be an individual really doesn't work. But when you let go of any idea of being an individual, you may seem to be very individual, Thomas. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's sort of a blast, in a way. So this idea, we're going to this thing, which is... Instead of going into, all right, let's recognize the conscious contact. I believe, in most cases, there'll be a sense of being an I that's doing that. So it neuters that whole event. So we're going the other way, which is we're going to go to the center of this system of thought and interpretation called self. Yeah? And we're just going to see, am I that? Because I found, if you realize you're not that, or just start entertaining you're not that, the interest and attention that has been hijacked by that crazy idea of being Paul, and I'm telling you, it is like a black hole sucking your attention and interest in life. And when you lose interest in something, it doesn't mean you lose any interest. When you lose interest in something, it doesn't mean you lose any interest. It's just like the ocean doesn't lose any weight at low tide, and it doesn't gain weight at high tide. There's the exact same amount of water in the ocean. It appears that it's lower to us and higher, but it doesn't lose any oceanness to it. So the idea of attention being lost is bogus to me, and interest is bogus. You lose interest in an object. Yeah? 
And the biggest object of all is the idea of being a self, the mental object. And because we can give meaning to things, the biggest meaning we've ever given to anything is that it's us. So our head has given this thought that I'm a self the meaning that it's us. It's got a lot of juice going that way, yes? So your interest and attention, it's like we use it on Monday night. There's a girl in the other room that I may be interested in, you know, biblically. Right? I may want to hopefully go out with her and stuff. But she has no idea I'm interested in her, but I'm keen on hearing what she has to say about me, yes? <laughs> so I'm doing, let's say, I'm at a meeting, and, but I'm, she's in the other room. I'm hoping she's talking about me. I'm really interested, and my attention's going through the wall, trying to pick up any little statement she may say. And everyone here is saying, Paul, come over here, you're supposed to be at this meeting. And I'm agreeing with them, but I can't seem to help myself. Yeah? And then they go, hey, so I'm, I'm all intents and purposes seem to be here, but I'm actually not. And I'm listening, listening very intently. Then she finally starts talking, and I'm really into it. And she's talking about Matt. My name's Paul, by the way, you know, right? My, <laughs> talking about Matt. As soon as I hear that she's talking about Matt, what happens? I lose interest. Immediately. I don't have to take a workshop how to lose interest. Yes? I don't have to, like, you know, wrestle to get my attention back. My attention and interest just goes... Unfortunately, usually, it's always beholden to what was interested and what thought it had the attention, which is this crazy idea of being a Paul. So it can never leave its nest, in a sense. It's always going back into self-reflection. But the interest and attention would be loosened from that idea, and then it could be often something else. Now, because it's beholden to this, that's called self-importance or the loop of self-reflection, you know, it's sort of like everything I come in contact with, you know, attention, everything goes, I'm the one that's in contact, yeah? So every attention is used to reinforce the idea of being a self, and every movement of interest is used to reinforce that I'm what's interested I am what's de- delivering the attention to you. It's all a lie, but it's, it's using this. So, if you're not that, I'm telling you, you're going to lose interest in it. Seriously. If someone came to your house and selfed on you for a few minutes, you know, selfing, we talk about selfing, yeah, that talk, yeah, that, that, I'm never going to get what I want, I'm never, never going to be loved, and, you know, it, you want to do the laundry in like a minute, you know, talk, hey, I have to do something, make something up just to get away. But you've been listening to the same thing 40 years in your own head with rapt attention. Why is that? Because you're clear that that selfing is theirs, so you have an immunity to it. You're not clear that this selfing is not yours. See, you believe it's about you, and therefore your interest and attention goes with it. And at night when you try to go to sleep, it's still doing it. You'd like to stop it, but you're just attending to thoughts about you, supposedly, and reflecting what happened to you that day. This is attention and interest. I found that if I... It's like a thought. A thought's a thought, but when it's my thought, it's different. Yeah? A thought is just a thought, but if I see the thought and I think it's... And I see it from, I'm the thinker of it, or it's about me, which is the two ideas, the two beliefs, then that thought becomes my thought. And my attention and interest goes with that thought. And that interest and attention spawns more thought. Yes? And so on and so forth. So my life becomes attending to and being interested in thoughts about me in this life. It's called, it's like slavery in a sense. It's called addiction. 
But if the mind could be dropped and you could see it as just a thought, you would be free from following it. And you would let it have its real nature, which is it comes and goes. Just like feelings come and go. Everything here comes and goes. There are different degrees in time, perception, but everything comes and goes. And thoughts come and go very quickly, actually. You can't even see a thought when it's coming. See, someone may be thinking about me in the marina, but I don't see it. Uh-oh, it's, you know, dumb, you know, the bad thought is trying to attack me with them. I don't see it. It just appears on the screen of consciousness, and then it's meant to go. <laughs> but as soon as I label it my thought, I change its trajectory, and it starts orbiting around a very old thought, which is Paul. And so all the other thoughts are now claimed by me as this thought, as the thinker of them, or that they're about me, and that's the orbital gravity. We're not trying to get rid of this orbit, we're pulling this planet out. Yes? If I'm not the center of the universe, then the universe will be free to expand. To Yes? See, it's... The bondage to the thought and selfing isn't on the thought side. There is no thought that has an incredible bonding agent. You deliver the bonding agent with the mind. The mind is the bonding agent to the thought. The thought isn't bonding to mind. The mind, the sense of act, the act of identifying, which is what I call selfing, yeah? the act of identifying bonds you to the thoughts and bonds you to the feelings. And when you're bonded to those thoughts and feelings, that opens up the download of all the old ideas and all the re-feelings and the re-thoughts and all the memories of how you've been screwed and all this and all that. And it's just interpretation galore. You've been, it's almost like you've been extracted out of life and now you've been thrown into an interpretive world. All meant by mind. All conceptual. All past. All time. And of course you're going to feel an irritability, disease, and unhappiness. You've been taken over by what I call a parasite, and the host has forgotten its hostness. Yeah? And now it's living the life of a parasite here. Yeah? You're breathing the atmosphere of the parasite, which is anxiety. You're living out of regret and nostalgia and memory. Look at your thinking. Which, where, does it, where does it rest? In past and future? Never in this moment. Because it wouldn't be thinking in this moment. It would be attention. The thoughts you're not really feeling as much as you think. It's the attention to them you're feeling. The attention's quality gets lost when it gets bound to a thought. The attention is a verb and the thought's a noun. And the verb, when bound to the now loses a sense of its verbness. So you mostly attend to the thought. You don't sense the attention. Yeah? You don't feel that what it's like to be awake and conscious now. You don't sense the beingness of this place. It becomes sterile and nounish and conceptual. And there's a huge lacking in that. And then your mind runs with that and makes up stories about how it could be better. You could just get this or do this or get rid of that and don't do that and all this. And it just creates this whole little monopoly game called selfing. Yeah? You never leave Baltic place. <laughs> You're in a lousy boot constantly. <laughs> but you got hopes for the boardwalk. But you can't seem to get over there. Because <laughs> someone else is there. So then resentment and envy and hatred and all this baloney happens. Yeah. 
So this is like, we're not going to go to the conscious contact, we're going to the self that thinks it's in conscious contact, and the self that thinks it's not in conscious contact. And if you're not that, then you're not beholden to its opinions. Really, your attention and interest gets loosened from that, and your attention and interest can entertain new possibilities. Not the ones in self-centeredness, because you've already entertained all of them. But it can entertain other possibilities. Like, one of the best entertaining of a possibility of self-centeredness is, I will be okay. It's never immediate. You're never okay now. The hope is that I will be. So you go, well, what about, no, 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 let me be okay now. I think Sunday I'll start becoming okay when I go to this and do that. That's self-centeredness. That's the possibility of self-centeredness, that your solution will be, will be delivered later. This is not from there, this possibility. You're, this, it's not even you're okay. There's no one to be okay or un-okay. You're just in a fucking mystery. You don't know what the hell is going on here. And the urge to know has been dismissed. You've just given up, and you really find that you give up the security of knowing, which is totally not secure at all. It's deadening. And then you get <laughs> the ins- what you would call here the insecurity of not knowing, but I found that to be the true security. The true security here is not to know what's going on. Because it just frees you up to being alert and awake now, because you don't have a clue what's happening. <laughs> and you don't really need to. And when wisdom comes in, you don't get the wisdom of the ages. You just get to know what to do next. It's totally economical in my, my traveling. It's totally economical. There's more paring down and enlightening and streamlining than there is any additions. It's just totally, you just get totally pared down. What's unnecessary is seen to be unnecessary. And if you were looking to see what was necessary and unnecessary, you would never have chosen the ship that drove overboard. Never. Never. No freaking way. The first thing that goes overboard is the need to be liberated. That, that goes way out. Ring. There's no need to be liberated here because there's no one that's ever been bound. It's an impossibility. For you to be bound, you'd have to be a noun. For you to be imprisoned or a chain, you'd have to be a noun to be chained to something. You're not a noun. This thing cannot be caught. Being this cannot be caught and be turned into a noun. There's no fucking way. But being this can be be distracted from its essence. Yes? And if the attention and interest is beholden to a crazy identification as a self, you will lose the sense of being this. It doesn't go anywhere, but you will lose contact with it. And you'll live in this dry, arid place called nouns. And of course, nouns have to arrive at an oasis for things to get better. They have to have a plan. How I get from here to there, and there has to be better than here, or why would I want to go there? And you have to incessantly keep going and seek here. It's impossible to stop seeking. I know people who've been enlightened three times here in this life. I say, I thought once would have been enough, but three times. They were involved with one thing, and they proclaimed they were enlightened, and then they got involved in some other movement, and then they, they got the double whammy, and now they've moved on to another movement, another spiritual group, and now they've been enlightened three times. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> if, you can, if you've been enlightened three times, there's never been, there's no enlightenment. It's impossible. How can there be three enlightens? There's no enlightenment. Who's there to be enlightened? Yeah. This is it. It's not special. 
to the mind, it actually sucks. It does. There's no fireworks. No, maybe no one's ever going to recognize anything about you. Oh, Paul, it's so wonderful, your absence. Oh, yes. <laughs> love that. Love that I have been absent from I. No, it's just really dog shit awareness. Just clear clarity about what's actually happening here. It's nothing's fucking special here at all. Yeah, it's totally disappointing to mine. Because you can't claim it. It can't write itself into the story. How did I do and have myself into this event? There's never been an event to do and have myself into. There's never been a point where <coughs> there was a self and now there's a non-self. There was never a self to begin with. So your story about why you were suffering all those years is a total fucking story. Because self wasn't stopping you from anything. There is no self. And the idea of now everything should great, could be great because now the self is a non-self. You don't see selfing as both. Selfing is non-selfing and selfing. Selfing is a verb defined by the duality of this place. So there's non-selfing and selfing. We've got this new movement now called non-selfing. It's the same as selfing. Same, same. Selfing and non-selfing are the exact same. There is no self and there's no need for a non-self. So there doesn't need to be a, a non-self judge, just like the superego used to judge you when you were out there using. Now it's judging you for, I can't say I in any of the times. <laughs> I can't. I get emails, really. People are incredible. I got an email. Hopefully she's not listening. <laughs> I got an email. Some people from Spain, this lady. I really like you, by the way. <laughs> she did. She uh, emailed me and said, uh, you know, I got, I got a lot of your, I listened to you, a lot of your talks, but at the end there's a prayer or invocation, you say. And all I could hear was, keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It's part of recovery. So I said, well, it's part of recovery. That's what we say at the end of the meeting. And we also say this prayer, uh, the serenity prayer. So you know, and we do the we version. So God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change and the courage to change the things we can, whatever. And then the wisdom, no difference. Immediately, like in a nanosecond of internet time, she emailed me, what do you mean change? There's no one to change. And I said, come on. It's the conveyance of the message, baby. The message of non-duality doesn't have to be constrictly put into non-duality format. It can be expressed dualistically. That's what it's, why it's the truth. It's not defined by, okay, now we're going to have to become non-dual here. Give me a break. They call them the Pharisees, the Advaita Pharisees. They got the word down perfectly, but they're missing the juice of it. The juice is freedom. Not another fucking concept, an idea of what has to be right and what has to be wrong. There's a freedom to it. You get sloppy. Yeah, you're not like, you're not like dressed to the tees, you know? You don't got it all down. It's just like, you get moved to say something at a certain moment, at a certain time. It's no, there's no pull there. It just happens. That's why when people say, well, you said this three months ago, I didn't say a damn fucking thing. <laughs> There's no copyright law. I'm totally, I totally, I totally deny any, cont any, any uh, what do you call, proprietary you know, position with any of this content. Not, not one bit. That's why I can come to every meeting. I've never come to it. 
I've never come to the 19 years I've been coming here. <laughs> if it was me, I would have said, I can't come this week. <laughs> I'd have thousands of reasons why I can't come. I was bad, I got mad, or this, or that, or this. It's all selfish. You're being used every second of the day, in a sense. You know, something is... To me... Personally, impersonally, this is just a, this is an interface of expression. That's all that's happening. What's really being demonstrated, if you have the eyes to see, is what's expressing. Not the vehicle it's moving through. It's like the telescope and the scientist. The scientist wants to see the stars. For it to see the stars, to facilitate it seeing the stars, it has to get a telescope. It can't see the stars. So this telescope has a certain amount of lenses that bring the stars seemingly closer. So this is an interface where consciousness expresses itself into this little dream realm. Yeah? It's like a telescope. Consciousness or spirit is the scientist. Yeah? Now obviously the telescope has taken itself to be the seer of it. Yeah? So it can't actually see the stars, so what it does is it re-sees them and rethinks them and re-feels them. So it makes up a, an illusory sky and, and stars, but it's all past, yes? Because it's in denial of the scientist. All the while, the scientist is looking through it, yes? And true seeing's happening, but to the telescope, it's looking. Because it's based on, I once looked. So now its whole story is, I'm looking, 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 to reinvalidate the fact that I once looked. It never looked to begin with. They were seeing through it. This is just an expression, this is like an interface for something to occur. Yeah? And the interface can get sh will get cleaned out or economized, but maybe because this thing may want to express something different through it. Yeah? Just like for many of the people in this room, I was a perfect addict here. A perfect drug addict. I never did any spiritual practice perfectly, but addiction I did perfectly. I went to the extreme limits every day for years. You cannot have been a better co you know, intravenous drug user than I was. Yeah, it was perfection. And then suddenly what happened? Recovery occurred, and now totally something else is expressing. Through the same interface. It's not the interface, obviously. Yeah? Heaven could be expressed through this or hell. It's got the ability to express whatever, however it's going to... It's like undifferentiated light comes in here, and it gets differentiated. That's what happens. So undifferentiated light can seem to be heaven or hell. Yeah, yeah. The point is, is to recognize the undifferentiated light. You recognize it not by a topic or, or, or a noun. You sense it. You, it intimates itself through moving through you. Not through you, obviously, but moving through the apparatus. You get the intimation of its qualities, its nature. It doesn't tell you exactly what it is. It whispers it as it's ising, so to speak. So after a while, it can happen all at once, but after a while, you get more inclinations of its nature, in a sense, by its being. And you know damn well, if, you, if the mind wants to be a noun and stop and try to get it, you miss it. You miss it. You miss it by thinking you have it. You may think you have, oh, I got it, I woke up, I've got the beingness, you've missed it. Because it's a verb. That's the beauty of it. It keeps you honest against your own mental will. You cannot have it. 
Very short. <laughs> 